Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, on this episode, we're going to be looking at Psalm 10. And I'm just going to say right off the bat, this is not a feel-good, happy psalm, but it does address one of the most important questions that we can answer and that, that comes up all the time in our day and age, and that has to do with the hiddenness of God. If God is real, if God is active and personal and present, then why does it feel like he's so far away? And why does it feel like so much evil goes on and so many bad people get away with so much? Why is that? And what we see right here in Psalm 10 is very much a similar sentiment, a feeling of, where are you, God? Why are you allowing all of this to happen? And as we go through this psalm, I think and hope that you're going to see that there is actually uh, several answers that we can glean from this psalm and other passages in scripture as to exactly where God is and what God is up to, even when things seem so bleak, uh, like what is listed here in the psalm. So I would encourage you to go ahead and read through Psalm 10, and uh, we're just going to hit some highlights like we usually do. But I want to draw your attention specifically to a few verses in this psalm. Uh, starting in, in verse 2, that, that the wicked are just so arrogant. And part of what we see in uh, as we go through and read these verses is that a big reason why the wicked are so arrogant is that they, they really believe like they're never going to be caught. They believe that because they have gotten away with it up to this point, that therefore somehow they're always going to get away with it, that they're never going to have to give an account or be held to a standard of justice for the way that they have behaved and the way that they've treated people. And that's just simply a mistake to think that just because you haven't been punished up to this point, that somehow you never will be. It would be like a criminal who has successfully robbed a couple banks thinking that because he hasn't been caught by the police yet, he somehow never will. And it's just, I think we can obviously see that there's a major error in thinking there, but this is one of the errors in thinking that comes when our judgment is clouded by arrogance and by pride. And when our heart is blackened by choosing to give into our sinful desires over and over and over again, like those who are described in this psalm. We see some other things about the wicked in this in this uh, passage, and in verse 5 specifically, his ways prosper at all times. This idea that as for all his foes, he, he puffs at them is the way that the ESV reads, and the, the language there literally is that he, he snorts, right? It, it's Again, it's arrogance. It's like a looking down upon of not not taking anyone seriously because no one's ever going to hurt me. No one can ever topple me. I'm 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 king of the hill basically. But this idea that it seems like so many evil people are actually doing quite well. 
And we can look at our own world today and we can look at the corruption in governments. We can look at the corruption in uh, those who are supposed to have people's best interests at heart. The corruption in, in all sorts of different areas of life that is caused by greed, by selfishness, by uh, just a, a, an inward focus on what the person can get out of it for themselves rather than for others. And it seems like at, at first, many of those people even today are prospering. They are some of the often wealthiest, uh, well-to-do people in the world. They have the most influence. They have the most power. They're the well. They're the most well-networked. It seems like no amount of crisis or collapse could could really do anything to harm them. They they seem to be insulated from any real hardship. And it goes even further to say that not only is is would that even be hard enough, but that even from a place such as this, the wicked are still continuing to look for people to take advantage of. That even though they got to where they are by uh, being deceptive and by being selfish, they, they still are looking for more opportunities to continue the same behaviors because they see no need to stop. And so as we look through this psalm, we see that eventually the psalmist gets to the the plea at the end where he says uh, in, in verse 14, but you do see for you note mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands to you. The helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from this land. God is being cried out to here to say, please, God, just, just stop this. Hear the cry and the prayer of those who are suffering under these kinds of people, and please rescue us. Please save us from this. Only you can, God. And so I want us to draw some parallels between this psalm and actually the book of Job because I see something very similar here is that, uh, yes, this is about the hiddenness of God, which is a big, big theme in the book of Job. And the hiddenness of God is really a, a small part of the bigger problem of evil. But this idea that uh, why does God allow certain things to happen it's the same question that Job and his friends ask. Why, God? Why would you allow this? It, it seems like you're not really present or, or uh, invested in what's going on in our lives. And yet, we're not given an answer in this psalm just in the same way that we're not given an answer in the book of Job. We're not given the answer as to why. God does not give Job that answer, and the psalmist doesn't ultimately get an answer either. But what we do see, both through the the proclamations of the psalmist here and the answer that God gives to Job through the whirlwind and the storm at the end of, of that book is, is basically four things. The first thing is that God does see that even though it seems like God is not actively doing anything about the evil in the world, he does see it. There is nothing 
that escapes the sight of God. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it talks about this idea that God has two sets of books and that the the first set of books is the record of every deed that every person has ever done. And it's this idea, which was prevalent in ancient thinking, that God knows everything. There is not a single thing that anyone is going to get away with or that's going to somehow slip by unnoticed from God. And therefore, because God does see, God also hears. When we reach out to him, when we pray to him, when we ask for him to be with us in the midst of our our trials and our pain and our suffering, he hears our prayers. And that whether or not God chooses to act immediately, that ultimately God will act. That's the third thing. When it's all said and done, God will see to it that every wrong is righted, that every injustice is dealt with, that every evil deed is punished, and no one's going to get away with anything in the end. And therefore, because of all these first three things that God does see, that he does hear, and that he will act, we can trust him. And that's the ultimate conclusion of the psalm and the book of Job. I see, I hear, I will act, so just trust me. And so these questions, even if we don't get the answers we want, should lead us to a place of of faith, of humility, and ultimately of remembering that our God has made promises and that he has never, ever once broken one of those promises, and therefore we can trust our God. 